the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Live with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you, as always. We obviously have been doing a lot of talking this week, at least I have, so why don't I turn it over to my co-host to do some talking with our first guest. Larry, who do we have on the line? Well, today, Wendy, we have with us Sheriff Retired Curry Myers. He has a Ph.D. and an MBA and a combined 35 years of professional experience as a law enforcement officer at the local, state, and federal level, and as a criminologist, professor, and university executive. He's a nationally recognized expert in criminal justice public policy. Welcome to the show, Sheriff Myers. It's so good to have you here. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, Sheriff Myers, I noted in your bio Among your many, many other accomplishments, you developed crime prevention through environmental design applications. Could you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it helps prevent crime? Crime prevention through environmental design is, uh, or sometimes referred to as SEPTED, is a broken window um, theory of crime model um, that was developed. And basically, it talks about territorial reinforcements and um, access control into facilities beginning from as far out as you can, not necessarily at the doorstep of your facility, but many places, uh, many um, hundreds of feet out of where your facility is at. Uh, So it includes technology, it includes territorial reinforcements. Territorial reinforcement could be things like water, um, berms, those kinds of things, lighting, Um, And it's an excellent strategy to implement force protection uh, at your facility, especially for schools. But even for um, organizations and and businesses, it's wise to establish SEPTED um, force protection uh, when they design their future buildings and having folks like me come in help uh, to um, um, increase their abilities to um, be, be protected from um, nefarious activity. That's great. Would that include, I'm just curious, the metal detectors that we have to all go through? Is that part of it or is that something separate? Well, it's part of it, but metal detectors don't necessarily uh, are, shouldn't be used in some areas. It just depends on what the client wants. Um, metal detectors don't always work. Um, I would rather see where we have force protection um, on access control where there's numerous um, obstacles for people to come in, such as man traps, and a man trap would be a dead area if you walk into 
a facility. You just don't walk automatically into the facility. You have to kind of walk into a gateway, if that makes sense. And then, then you're approved to come into the facility. You sign in. Um, metal detectors are fine, but um, they can be a little bit obtrusive, and it can it could upset clients. So it really depends on you know whether the the corporation and the school wants to do that. Okay, uh, nationwide in 2022, retailers reported they suffered a 112 billion dollar loss of goods due to crime. And that's a huge 19% increase from the year before. Now that 2023, this year, is almost over, what are we seeing in retail losses uh, this year due to crime? Well, unfortunately, it's increasing. Major retailers are actually um, removing high-value items. You might um, see when you walk into facilities now, some things have changed. Uh, Companies are turning to self-service locking cabinets, they're, they're tethering items to steal cables, um, they're smart shopper carts that are, be, that are being used, and we're seeing an increased use of cameras, weight scales, barcode scanners, uh, and other ways to detect uh, if, a, if a customer is not picking up and paying for the item as they leave. And unfortunately, we've seen an increase of violence This is according to the National Retail Federation 2022 Mm. retail survey that we're seeing eight out of 10 retails reporting increased incidents of violence over this last year. Wow. Uh, It seems that almost every evening on the news, we see groups of smash and grab looters ransacking stores without seemingly facing any consequences for their crimes. What seems to be behind this new style of what I call organized crime. Well, I think first and foremost, the, the main problem is we no longer are using a carrot and stick philosophy on criminal justice. Um, so we're not punishing anybody for the crimes that they commit. We're just letting them go. Um, so we have prosecutors that have not prosecuted many, many times that they've ignored um, the, the prosecution of the offenders. Uh, in New York City, we have uh, customers of local retails reporting the theft in 93% of the supermarkets. Mm-hmm. 60% said they ha- they get burglarized weekly, sometimes daily. In Washington, D.C., we have mass groups um, that are ransacking pharmacies like CVS, and they go in and basically take food, beverages, and then they destroy the property as they walk out. And what's going to happen is that you have – um, uh, businesses that are going to say it's affecting our PNL. We can't stay in these urban sectors. So as a resu- result, we're going to have to leave these areas, which ultimately really um, who it's going to hurt is people of, of poverty and the aged who can't afford to leave those areas. Exactly. I, I agree. Now, uh, you went, went away in on this with your opinion or not. It's uh, somehow these gangs of looters, this is pretty much my thoughts, these gangs of looters seem to show up at the same store or mall at the same time to commit their coordinated theft. Are these criminals using social media to organize their crime sprees? And if yes, do you think that the social media big tech companies, and I could name them, but I, I won't, uh, should be held accountable for essentially aiding and abetting in the commission of these crimes? Because they're getting organized, say, let's meet here at this time and we're going to do whatever they call it. Well, we're certainly seeing an increase in organized crime. With with respect to organized crime, we're seeing um, hundreds of people that are given marching orders to go in, and they target areas basically 
where prosecutors have lax enforcement. Um, in places like California, for instance, there's some areas where you have to commit up to three to four thousand dollars before it's considered theft, which is amazing when you think of it. Yes. Um, it used to be in most areas, anything above five hundred dollars was considered felony theft, and so it's changed considerably. Um, there's been about a 27% decline in guilty verdicts um, and a 54% increase in dropped and dismissed cases. Um, that's according to the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund when it comes to prosecutors, especially in the urban areas. Um, and then we have the police defund movement that's occurred that's causing for se- severe budget shortages. But to answer your point fuller, um, yes, organized crime occurs. They they target specific areas, and they target those areas because of lack of prosecution. And then they go back and sell those on on uh, Facebook, um, eBay, other other places that they, you can do social media shopping. There is disorganized crime, as I mentioned, the one in Washington, D.C., where you have groups of teenagers ransacking. That's more disorganized crime. Um, but we certainly are seeing organized crime and making a profit out of it. Um, there's no question about that. Whether or not we need to curtail, you know, I'm a big believer in freedom. Yes. Um, we have to be very careful on whether or not we're going to um, allow freedom of speech uh, on social media. But I think it certainly should be investigated and let law enforcement invest investigate whether or not um, specific sites have aided and abetted. And if it proves that they have, but um, then the um, charges should be filed. But I think it has to be an individual on an individual case. Now, that's so interesting. So you mentioned this, you touched on this earlier. Whatever happened or what happened to this defund the police movement? Where did it go? It was so big after the uh, George Floyd incident. And now all of a sudden, some of these progressive states and progressive cities, uh, the officials are getting, uh, you know, they're getting uh, burglarized and carjacked themselves. So I think maybe they're having second thoughts. So what has happened or what's the status of the defund the police movement? Well, about 87% uh, of the law enforcement agencies in the United States are saying that they have um, less funding than what they've had before. Um, so you can't, you know, the criminal justice system is, is a huge aircraft carrier that you can't spin on a dime. If you defund it, it would take years to refund. Um, we have senior yes. law enforcement officers that are retiring early. We have some that are leaving the job with 10 or 15 years on the job. It's affected new hires. A lot of them don't want to be police officers when they come in. So I'm predicting that we're probably going to see a decade of this continuing because you just can't you just can't eliminate and defund police and expect the labor shortages to catch back up. It's going to take a considerable amount of time. If you check for most um, police um, training centers, um, they're they're most of them aren't even at 50% of what they usually have for training. And a lot of the urban areas are less than that. And the real dangerous part here is that some of the urban sectors are lowering standards police officers. Uh, right. Officers. Just, just like the military. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the last thing that we want to do is lower standards because if you've been convicted of a felony, if you're a major drug user, um, do you really want that police officer out on the street? Do you want them to have the ability to look up information about you, look up intelligence matters about you, be able to, to track you? Because law enforcement has a lot of power and a lot of authority, and they can look up things about people. 
Oh, I think it's dangerous in places like uh, Memphis and Atlanta and other places are actually lowering standards, lowering education. Mm. Um, and I think it's going to be dangerous. Now we're getting uh, short on time here. Before we go, I want, how do people get a hold of you or follow you? Because uh, it's so interesting. You're so knowledgeable. What's the best way to do that? Uh, well, I, I write on Substack. I write often um, everything from perspectives to uh, op-eds. My Substack site is drcurrymyers.substack.com. Curry is C-U-R-R-I-E. Myers is M-Y-E-R-S. drcurrymyers.substack.com. Or you can Google Dr. Curry Myers, and there's a plethora of, of interviews and information about me i'd also do a weekly podcast on substack as well so and it's free all you need to do is sign up and put your email in but i i don't charge anything because i want people to see what's going on in america's um, crime problem perfect okay thank you so much for being with us dr curry uh, uh myers it was a pleasure and hopefully we can have you back on soon so Uh, Thank you again for being here. Very good. I appreciate it. Stay safe. And thank you very much. Again, you're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. Don't touch that dial. We have a great second half coming up in just a minute. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to Headline Highlights live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and we are going to talk about one of the highlights of the week during the second half. Now, many of you, whether you are Republican, Democrat, undecided, whatever your predilection, you probably watched the debates. Either you did or somebody you know watched. Uh, You know, I always say there is a little something for everyone when we debate in politics, because inevitably all of the candidates are talking about things that matter to you, whether it's education, national security, health care, community safety. I mean, think about it. All of those issues, we may come down in different places on them, but the issues themselves are vital to our lives. And the debate that we had this week, it was the fourth and final GOP Republican debate, and the sparks just flew. You know, Larry, we can both talk about our favorite moments, and we'll probably clean it up a little bit for the show. Obviously, the whole thing's available online. But did any of those four candidates come across as the clear winner to you? Yeah, I I think that... um is uh, Larry Elder, he's a, a famous talk show host and a well-known figure, said that the only one that really won that debate was Donald Trump by not attending. His numbers are still going up. And this was kind of a slugfest between these candidates. And it just makes you wonder, Wendy, is that the best way to determine 
who is going to be the best president? In other words, who debates the best or who can talk the loudest or talk over other people? Is that a criteria for becoming a great president? Uh, I don't know, but uh, the sparks were flying. Uh, Were there some moments that stood out for you? Oh, yes. I could take the entire rest of the show on this. Let me give you some examples. So we're talking about Vivek Ramaswamy, the flame-throwing entrepreneur, uh, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, uh, and then, of course, um, Ron DeSantis. Uh, So you've got three governors and an entrepreneur. What I found significant is whether the grace under pressure aspect of it is going to really win, because that would be Nikki Haley. She was double teamed almost from the beginning by Ron and Vivek. Um, at one point, she made the statement. She says, I really am loving the attention, fellas. She exhibited a, the kind of presidential demeanor. You can't get into the mud. You've got to kind of let it flow off of you. Now, let me argue uh, the other side of that. Chris Christie, for his part, maybe didn't get as much airtime, but he had kind of a moderator role complaining that candidates weren't answering the question. You might remember back in 2016, this was one of his big roles, is he got on Marco Rubio's case, for example, for not answering the question. So to just bring pre-planned sound bites to a debate that's designed to educate the voters as to what different candidates stand for, that ends up being significant. So were that going to be the test of who stood out? I would say Nikki Haley. I would say then Chris Christie. I would say Ron DeSantis. He has a lot of good points, but I don't know about you. He seemed angry. His demeanor was significant. Remember, voters vote with their eyes as well as their ears. That's that's true. And uh, yeah, that that uh, pivotal moment, uh, some might say, is when um, uh, Vivek held up that sign. It said Nikki equals corrupt. And he held it up just for a moment. But um, it, it is interesting to me, Wendy, that apparently uh, Nikki Haley did meet with the head of BlackRock, which is, my understanding, the largest investment firm in the entire world, headed by a gentleman by the name of Larry Fink. And uh, so she met with him. And uh, perhaps people are concerned that there's big money uh, behind some of these candidates and that if elected, these candidates or whoever ends up being president will be beholden to the donor class people. And uh, so that is a concern. But uh, it it is really interesting. Uh, Nikki did play it pretty cool. And I thought that could get her some points. And I think the audience kind of sided with her uh, because of that. At least the studio audience. You know what's interesting about that point, Larry, is you remember the comment she made when she was called out on accepting the money from BlackRock? She said, you guys are just jealous that you didn't get those kinds of checks. I'm paraphrasing. So here's the question. Had Ron DeSantis, Vivek, or Chris Christie been offered money from BlackRock for their campaigns, would they have taken it? Oh, yeah, go ahead. What do you think? No, what do you think? That's an interesting question that she raised. Well, well, it's really tricky, too, because not I don't think all the time they know where the money's coming from there. And they're not possibly in the day to day collection of the money. So it comes in from some sort of a LLC that's been set up and you don't know it's coming from um, perhaps a donor that you wouldn't agree with politically. Uh, but it's really hard. But it it is interesting. So uh, some people think that our elections are too long and too expensive. And you wonder, OK, are these people being bought off? 
off or do you have to be self-sustaining uh, like Vivek is or Donald Trump where they don't need anybody else's money? But one big point is everybody needs a lot of money in our election system over here. And does that exclude talent that maybe would be a better president but just can't get into the race because of the financial hurdle? That would especially be true with this debate, because remember, you know, you have to raise a certain amount of money. You have to get a certain amount of donors and voters, and there's all these prerequisites to make it onto the different debate stages. And that's why fundraising is one of the very first things that's examined. So if you think about it from that perspective, you can imagine there would be a temptation to get the money you need to run a campaign if you have the best ideas. So the question then is, does it necessarily mean if you take money from a particular donor base that you are beholden to that donor base? You know, Nikki obviously thought this through before she took that stage. She knew she was going to get called out on this. And you remember how she answered that? She said, you know, there's a difference basically between them asking her what she stands for and her asking them what they stand for. And she said the money was based on them asking her what she stood for. So if that were to be true, then they wouldn't expect her to be beholden. But you can see that's an argument that has some good points on either side. Uh, let me ask, uh, pivot for just a minute, like the politicians like to do, they like to pivot. Oh, you know, Vivette is the youngest of the bunch. And Chris Christie made a joke about that, you know, about his age. Uh, but Vivek was a little bit... Uh, over-enthusiastic. I used to say there's no such thing, but there was a little bit of, I don't know whether you want to call it hyperactivity or he was just excited. Do you think his performance this week was different? To me, it was different than what we've seen before. And I wonder how you think that either benefited him or not. Well, I, I think he was very aggressive uh, and maybe too much so for some people, but I think he, he, he did the... Uh, ad hominem uh, attacks, you know, on, on the person where he said that uh, he suggested that uh, uh, perhaps Chris Christie could could go on a diet where he should just leave the stage and get a good oh, meal. Why yeah. attack the person like that? Uh, but I did kind of like his closing statement. He really went out on the limb where he talked about perhaps the deep state is involved in the um, the, the J6, uh, that it could have been an inside job. He talked about the government, how it has hidden or uh, suppressed any involvement of Saudi Arabia in the 9-11 attacks. And uh, the thing about the Great Replacement Theory was really a democratic platform. It's not something, uh, a, a conspiracy of, of the right. And he, he even said that the 2020 election was, in fact, stolen. He, he really went out on a limb on that. I know there's a lot of people that believe that. Uh, but um, I think he was more aggressive than before, but he's got a lot of energy. And some people would really like that. But I didn't like the personal attacks too much. No, and nobody does. And, you know, that, that's something that's kind of a human response that no matter who we are, we, we all kind of feel for the underdog. So, you know, one thing that Nikki really had um, in her favor this debate is she really let a lot of those just kind of roll off her back. You remember the exchange she had in the last debate with Vivek when he went after her daughter being on TikTok? Right. She um, really uh, fought back. It seems like she had, she gave everything some thought between then and now. I mean, that's what debates are for. They're really a whole your performance. But those are some of the issues that, you know, I just don't think that, that voters like. Now, I'm not just guessing. Did you hear the response of the studio audience? They were routinely booing Vivek 
when he went personal. They even booed Christy a couple times. And I have to say, there were some responses that they gave to some of the zingers that Nikki had. I wasn't sure if they were booing or cheering or just reacting because it was explosive on that stage. Now, here's the ultimate question, Larry, that I think everybody wants to know. What what will that have to do with Donald Trump? Did any of them move the lead, move the needle to the extent that they may threaten his lead? No, I, I don't think so. But I suggest like the debates are, are good and they're necessary. They even had them back in the Lincoln Douglas days, uh, presidential debates. But I would suggest perhaps better to determine the character and uh, talent of the next president would be one on one interviews speeches, listening to the speeches of these people, even reading their position papers. I want to know, are you going to fix our bridges, our airports, our crumbling infrastructure as as compared to Dubai or Singapore? I mean, we look like a poor country now. I want to hear, what are you going to do to help the American people with inflation? And even in examining their records, I mean, debates are good, they're important, but I would like to look at those uh, items as well to determine who's going to be the next and best president. Yeah, Larry, I think that's all really wise, and I I agree with you on all those points. And, you know, one of the things that we'll be watching very closely between now and the election is we're going to have to really sort of hone our skills and listen to these candidates. And if there's anything that disqualifies uh, Donald Trump, you can imagine these four are going to be in line. If not, I mean, these are four leaders to keep our eye on for the future. So there is never time lost on these debate stages for that reason. So I hope that, uh, go ahead, Larry. No, no, exactly. I go, go ahead. Wendy. Uh, so let's just close it out by saying, you know, wherever you stand, there is a little something for everyone. And we are just warming up as we go into the 2024 election season. So thank you for listening to today with Dr. Wendy. Have a great week. We'll see you right back here next Saturday night between now and then. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.